Chapter Eight of the History of Birkin Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter Eight: Qualms of Conscience, The Murder of Mary Patterson, and Escape of Janet Brown preservation of the fallen beauty it is remarkable that at so early a period in their career of crime burke and hare should have shown so much boldness as they exhibited in the murder of mary patterson a young woman unfortunately too well known on the streets of edinburgh and it is equally remarkable how considering the whole circumstances they were able to carry out the crime and dispose of the body without detection there is little reason to doubt that burke was in the first instance a man of finer nature than hare though their guilt in the end was at least equal hare it seems could play his part in the slaughter of a fellow mortal without any qualms of conscience and he slept as quietly the night after he had provided a subject for the doctors as if his soul were unstained with guilt burke however was a man of a different temperament and though reckless he could not altogether banish the moral teachings of his church from his mind thou shalt do no murder rang in his ears but under the benumbing influences of drink the command was forgotten and broken and then followed the fearful looking for judgment he could not sleep without a bottle of whiskey by his bedside, and he had always on the table a twopenny candle, burning all the night. When he wakened sometimes in fright, he would take a draught at the bottle, often to the extent of half of its contents at a time, and that induced sleep, or rather stupor. In one of these walk-rife fits, Burke, early on the morning of Friday, the ninth April, 1828, left the house and made towards a public house in the neighborhood of the Cannon Gate, kept by a man named Swanston. While he sat drinking rum and bitters with the landlord, two young women, of apparently doubtful character, entered the house and ordered a gill of whiskey, which they immediately set about to consume these were mary patterson or mitchell and janet brown both residing with a mrs worthington in leith street they had been apprehended the previous evening for some offence against the law probably for being drunk and quarrelsome and lodged in the canongate police station between four o'clock and five o'clock in the morning they were liberated and went to a house in the vicinity where they had formerly lodged occupied by a mrs lurie who endeavoured to persuade them to remain with her she was unsuccessful and they left for swanston's public-house where they met with burke the women and burke it is said were strangers to each other but he whose conscience had been again quieted by the liquor he had imbibed thought he saw in them two fine subjects for the doctors in his most winning manner he went up and spoke to them asked them to have a drink with him and ordered a round of rum and bitters 
they were not at all averse to the treat so they sat down and consumed three gills at the expense of their smooth-spoken entertainer at last burke had ingratiated himself so much with the girls that he proposed they should accompany him to his lodgings nearby and partake of breakfast with him his story was that he was a pensioner and to brown who had some objection to going with him he said he could keep her comfortably for life if she and her companion who was quite willing would go with him he talked them round until they agreed to accompany him purchasing two bottles of whisky he gave one to each of them and the trio then set off for constantine burke's house in gibbs close off the cannon gate this constantine burke his brother was a married man with several of a family and was a scavenger in the employment of the edinburgh police establishment it was never known whether he and his wife had any complicity in the murders but it was shrewdly suspected at the time that they were at least aware of them especially of the one that was committed in their house when burke and his two companions arrived at the house they found that the brother and his wife were newly out of bed but had not as yet got time to kindle the fire the house on that account looked rather gloomy for the reception of guests and burke abraded his sister-in-law or landlady as he wished her to appear for her carelessness the fire was however speedily lighted and a cheerful glow was shed through the apartment which even then was nothing very fine the entrance to it was up a narrow wooden trap stair and along a dark passage the door was only fastened by a latch the place itself was but meagerly furnished the most prominent articles it contained being a truckle bed and another with tattered patchwork curtains while on the walls were nailed by way of adornment some tawdry prints the fire however improved its appearance somewhat and mrs constantine burke and her brother-in-law set about the preparation of breakfast soon there was on the table a plentiful supply of food consisting of tea bread and butter eggs and haddocks altogether a feast which could not have been anticipated by the look of the apartment itself or of its accustomed occupants the company sat down and the conversation became general and altogether friendly so that with the drink they had imbibed and the warmth of their reception the girls began to feel quite happy constantine burke left to attend to his daily employment and when the breakfast dishes were cleared off the table the two bottles of whisky were produced and the debauch began at so early an hour was renewed burke and mary patterson drank recklessly the former to keep up his courage for the murder he contemplated and the latter simply because she liked the liquor but brown was more temperate although she did not altogether abstain mary at length succumbed to the potency of the whisky and she lay back asleep in her chair burke now saw that at least one of his proposed victims was safe 
and his suggestion to brown that they should go out and have a walk was agreed to quite readily it was difficult at first sight to surmise what can have been his object in making this movement but it may find an explanation in the fact that soon the couple were seated in a public-house with pies and porter before them the mixture of drinks made brown more stupid and after a while she accompanied the man back to the house in gibbs close in a very drunken condition but still retaining some little knowledge of what she was doing again the whisky was produced while they sat drinking helen mcdougall who had entered the house while they were out and who had hidden herself behind the bed curtains broke in upon the conversation the sister-in-law whispered to brown that this was burke's wife and mcdougall fiercely attacked the girls accusing them of attempting to corrupt her husband brown explaining that neither she nor her own helpless companion knew burke was married mcdougall having heard this explanation apologized to brown and pressed her to resume her seat and she then turned with the fury of a tigress upon her husband breaking the dishes on the table burke threw a glass which striking her on the forehead caused an ugly gash which bled profusely mrs constantine burke rushed out of the house and went it has been assumed for hair and soon afterwards burke succeeded in turning his mcdougall out locking the door after her mary patterson slept through all the hubbub while brown stood aside in terror burke endeavored to induce the latter to sit down again and she though willing enough was put in so much fear by the noise made by mcdougall in the passage leading to the house that she felt the sooner she was at home it would be the better for herself finding he could not persuade her to stay burke conducted her past his paramour and then returned to the house where mary patterson still lay unconscious hare arrived soon afterwards the two men combined to try their fatal skill on the intoxicated girl and in a few minutes her soul had fled from her poor frail body the women were conveniently outside and when they came in the corpse was lying on the bed covered up they asked no questions for they probably knew as well as if they had witnessed it what was going on having completed their work the men left the house in the meantime janet brown had made her way as best she could to the house of mrs Laurie, which she and patterson had visited immediately before meeting with burke she told as coherently as possible the story of what had happened to herself and her companion during the day and mrs Laurie, judging that the company in which they had been was somewhat rough sent her servant along with janet to bring mary away muddled with the drink she had taken the girl found the greatest difficulty in returning to the house she had so recently left at last she applied for information to swanston the publican who informed her that burke was a married man 
and that she would probably find him in his brother's house in gibbs close thither she went and after mistaking the door she succeeded in getting the place she wanted mrs hare was sitting inside and whenever she saw brown she jumped towards her as if to strike her but thinking better of it she held back the girl asked where mary patterson had gone and they replied that she was out with burke the unlikeliness of the story did not seem to suggest itself to her though if she had been in any other than a semi-intoxicated condition she would have remembered that when she left the house mary was totally incapable of walking on account of the drink she had taken on the invitation of hare and his wife and macdougall she again for the third time sat down at the table to partake of more whisky mrs laurie's servant seeing the state of matters left brown and returned to her mistress hare now calculated on a second victim and he plied brown with more liquor while macdougall to keep up the appearance poured forth invective against her husband for going away with patterson who poor girl lay dead on the bed beside them while this was going on and the girl was fast becoming a fit subject for the murdering arts of hare the servant had informed mrs laurie of how matters looked in gibbs close and she rather alarmed sent the girl back to bring janet brown away in this she succeeded and hare considering his object frustrated left the house shortly after her later in the afternoon brown partially sobered returned again how like the moth careering recklessly round the candle that works its destruction and again inquired for mary the answer she received this time was that burke and her friend had never returned brown went out to search for her and with the aid of mrs worthington with whom she resided she found that mary patterson had not gone with burke they called again at constantine burke's house for an explanation and the inmates there seeing that their former story had been proven untrue said the girl had gone away with a packman to glasgow this was not at all satisfactory but what could they do if they had called in the police and searched the house they would speedily have unraveled the mystery but they were unfortunately for themselves of a class whose relationship with the authorities was not of the most pleasant description and who therefore sought to have as little to do with them as possible about four hours after mary patterson's death her murderers had her body in dr knox's dissecting room and had received eight pounds for their forenoon's work this expedition in itself was rather foolhardy for while the corpse was cold it was not very rigid and presented the appearance of recent death and it was all the more so on account of the fact that burke and hare were supposed to be resurrectionists of the old type who robbed graves of their contents ferguson the student already mentioned and one of his companions 
thought they knew the girl and one of them said she was as like a girl he had seen in the cannon gate only a few hours before as one pea was to another but more than that the girl's hair was in curl papers so that all the external appearances were that the body was fresh and had not been buried they asked burke where he had obtained the body and his reply was that he had purchased it from an old woman residing at the back of the cannon gate one of the students gave him a pair of scissors and he cut off her fine flowing tresses and these he would probably sell to a hairdresser to be made up for the use of some proud dame but this was not all mary patterson in life was an exceedingly good-looking girl indeed her fine personal appearance had to a certain extent contributed to her ruin her handsome figure and well-shaped limbs so attracted the attention of dr knox that he preserved the body for three months in spirits and invited a painter whose name is suppressed in burke's confession to his rooms to see it her friends however knew nothing of this and they searched everywhere but without success for some months janet brown asked constantine burke every time she saw him if he had ever heard anything of mary patterson since she went away with the tramp to glasgow but he replied to her only with a growl and there the matter rested for eight months until the great conspiracy against human life was brought to light and surely mary patterson notwithstanding all her faults was worthy of a better fate beautiful and well educated she had lost in youth the guiding care of a mother her beauty was a snare to her and her perverse will though accompanied but not modified by a kind heart greatly tended to accomplish her downfall end of chapter 8 recording by john brandon